everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 635, Super Bowl Preview. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, ask the right question. How, how, how's it going? <laughs> I was trying to give some true detective <laughs> vibes there. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe have watched the most recent episodes, not recently enough to know what the, <laughs> the right the answer to that question is. Should we start with some quick true detective debrief? No, I mean, I think everyone is probably tuning in to listen to the Super Bowl special. It's so. it's fine. Yeah, we're going to give our Super Bowl okay. preview prediction. I don't want eventually. people right off the bat to say, but if you haven't watched True Detective yet, <laughs> skip ahead 30 seconds. <laughs> I know. Can I give one quick summary of how I feel about True Detective at this it, point? Okay. Is it slightly spoiler free or should, should we give us? It's spoiler entirely one? spoiler free. Entirely spoiler free. Okay. This is it. not going to ruin at all your viewing aside from just being a negative interpretation of the show. <laughs> it wouldn't be you I, if it wasn't negative. <laughs> I want to say I obviously really enjoyed the vast majority of season one of True Detective aside from the ending, which when it like embraced the mystical element, I was, I felt like it was a cop out. I actually really like season two and season three of True Detective. This, I feel like it's the embodiment of the worst version of modern day television at this point, which is the concept of the anti-hero has ruined television at times, which is we can no longer create characters like people writing TV shows or movies can no longer create characters without making them dislikable or torn or damaged like every single person involved has to be somehow affected by previous elements of their life which of course we all are to a certain degree <laughs> yeah i but, mean but it's hard but not you know to what be i mean by the previous it's, years of your life but it's to the degree now where it's like well they're an asshole but they're gonna solve the crime right and it's like, can't we just make people solve crimes without being assholes? Like, can't those can't those two things go together? Can't someone be difficult but not completely intolerable? I don't know. Ma- I just Ma- find it. Mayor of Easttown was like that. She it wasn't was. like, insufferable. She was just like, uh, um, she's she's from Pennsylvania, so she just was naturally a little grumpy. <laughs> Which is fine. No, I think there are examples of TV shows like that, but I do think the. How about Reacher? The... He's a lovable six foot seven monster. <laughs> He's lovable, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like the the rise of the antihero. No, it's definitely meant, yes. Has meant that like we can no longer just create good characters. Like everyone has to be complicated because you can no longer just be well. This is a good person. This is a police officer or a detective. Who wants to solve crimes it has to be a detective who's also an alcoholic and divorced this has to be a detective who also whose wife was murdered like we can you know what i mean like the there's no that we've left left no space nowadays for anyone other than 
the extremely complicated, which maybe is more reflective of society as large. Maybe it's more relatable to other people than it is to me. But I think this version of True Detective, I find frustrating in that I feel like I should like some of the people and I don't like any of them. And this is continuously I'm being like, this person's just awful, right? Like there's no redeeming characteristic here. Yeah, I mean, that is actually the one thing I've been pushing back against in True Detective so far this season is there really isn't a person that you there's one person that you're kind of rooting for. Yeah, it's the the, 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 the young kid, guy. The yeah. young guy. He's just like But then pushed, but then but then last episode. Around. But then last episode he had like one of the most like egregious random like one-offs to his wife I've ever heard spoiler, someone say on camera. Spoiler alert. You didn't want to have the kids. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Jeez, that got dark quick. Right. And and it was again totally out of character with everything we'd seen from him, which up until that point had been like (laughs) the caring father, caring husband, who unfortunately his job is taking him away from those two things too much. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no. But also he's acknowledging the fact that perhaps she didn't want to. He's ruining her life in multiple ways. He's ruined this woman's life. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's, Let's tell. Maybe there's some new listeners who came in for the super bowl special they know how well we do a super bowl preview stay tuned next episode because we'll have recapped up to the finale because the new episode i don't know if you saw the penultimate is airing tonight so they don't air at the same time as the super bowl so by the next podcast we'll have the super bowl recap and the true detective recap up to the final episode I want a two for one, huh? That is a good two for one. Now, All Eddie, right. I'm going to ask you the right question sure. to kick off our Super Bowl preview. Okay. So, Patrick Mahomes, after this Super Bowl, could become the first player across the four major American men's pro sports to have three championships and two league MVPs in his first seven years. Who was the last athlete to do that? Okay, give me the give me this weird. Yeah, I'll uh, give you the, the specifics again. Okay. Yeah. All the four major American pro sports. Sure. Three championships and two MVPs, league MVPs, not yeah, like playoff MVPs. In his first... In seven seasons. First seven. Okay, so we can immediately rule out a lot of the people, I mean, the major figures, like Michael Jordan, non-consideration because he didn't win a championship for 10 years in, well, not quite, but several years into his uh, NBA career. I'll give you one hint. Um, This is the only hint I'm going to give you. This person is a Hall of Famer or or will be. Like, they're of that quality. Well, will be is an interesting. Maybe I'm just saying that to throw you off the scent. (laughs) Okay. Can I eliminate sports? Is this allowed? Can I ask you to rule out certain sports? Yeah. So I think it's not an NFL player. It is not an NFL player. Was not the last person to do this. I'm going to guess it's not an NBA player. 
you're looking at me. So it is an NBA player. <laughs> it is okay. an NBA player. <laughs> so we're dealing with an NBA player. Yeah. So an NBA player to win. How recent are we talking? Is this person currently an active athlete? It happened before you were alive. So be pre-1987 as a for listeners. All of this happened before I was alive? Yes. It's kind of tough now for me to try yeah. and I'll go. So that means they are a Hall of Famer. They like are they, a Hall of Famer. If they've achieved all of this, they definitely retired for some number of years. I will say the last person to do this was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Ooh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. It is of that level, of that caliber of player. It is Larry Bird. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's super high quality. Who did it from 79 to 86. Which I guess I should have guessed in a way because he did front load his career to a large part. Like I could have got there just through guessing because obviously his back issues kicked in at a certain point and, you know, and also the Celtics were dominant during that period. So it does make sense that he would get the sort of championship achievement, at least early on. But yeah, it's... Uh, any of our listeners got that, please let us know. Yeah, you can follow the Big Chill Podcast on Twitter or X, whichever, whatever you want us to say for that, or on Instagram. And you can let us know if you got that right. We will believe you. I will not call you out on Twitter as a liar and a fraud, but... <laughs> I will believe that you are telling us that you definitely knew it before we told you it. Yeah. So Super Bowl 58, Eddie, kicks off 6.30 Eastern time, which is a nice nice time, which means it'll probably start around 9 p.m. by the time they get done with yeah, all the pregame stuff. Never on time. At least a 20-minute yeah. delay, which I cannot understand. America is the one country in which... Here we go. Anti-American Eddie Red one. I got <laughs> to shit on America before the biggest sporting event. But no, like, America is the one country. All the other major sporting events, the World Cup final, probably the sort of most viewed uh, singular event in the sporting calendar kicks off on time like there's no delay to that there's the national anthems for two teams that are played not even one national anthem there's two national anthems there's the whole walking out holding hands with the players there's lots of stuff that happens beforehand but they know how to kick off on time but it's not, it's not even that it's just just set the proper time if kickoff is at 6 30 then kick the ball off at 6 30 if if you want to do pregames, then just say the kickoff of the ball is at 7 p.m. Just tell me when the goddamn event literally starts. <laughs> but do you know what part of the issue is, I suppose, in a sense, right? We can bet on how long does the national anthem take? How long does X event take? And then fundamentally, if we're saying these are not fixed time events, we are saying that there is a potential delay to everything that follows afterwards. But no, it's... It really bothers me, and it bothers me more. Again, they're trying to build the NFL as a global sport, right? They're about to have next year is going to involve a game in Brazil. They are really trying to say, hey, this is 
we understand this is America's game now more than baseball, but still we are trying to appeal to an international audience. It's tough to tell people on a Sunday night, stay up until 1230. Although potentially one <laughs> the game kicks off. <laughs> and then the halftime, it'll probably be about 30 minutes. But it might be a little bit longer. You know, the second half will probably kick off around this amount of time. You know, and like the game will probably finish at 4.30 your time in the morning. It might finish at 6. And that's before we even get into overtime. And that is, again, I know there's plenty of podcasters who speak, including Bill Simmons. Oh, well, we had a no Bill Simmons New Year's resolution. We did. We had a no Bill Simmons New Year's resolution. We've already broken it once. But, you know, one of the things he loves to speak about is the fact that the appeal of the Premier League or European football in general is you know when it starts, you know when it ends. Yeah. And that is sometimes the issue with a lot of American sports is that becomes a little bit of an unknown. I do agree with him to a certain extent on that. I want to say one thing from Bill Simmons. Hates to be aggregated. This is the one thing I'm going to try and get to go viral from our podcast. A couple podcasts ago, Bill Simmons was speaking about the fact that Bill Belichick got invited for two interviews at the Atlanta Falcons and how he was amazed by this fact. And he said he would never go for two interviews for any job at this point. Fair. He's a media mogul. And he said a year from now, he let slip. A year from now, there'll be no two interviews. And some people may have treated that as a throwaway comment. Now I, in my investigative mind, <laughs> when did Spotify have their deal for The Ringer? 2020. What's next year? 2025. Is there a possibility that the deal for The Ringer was not only the money they paid to Bill Simmons, but also a five-year requirement that he stay on? I'm just going to say strong possibility of this fact was that did he let slip the fact that a year from now he will technically be a free agent in the media world. Will he be signing for the Big Chill podcast? It is a possibility that we cannot rule out. But I just want to say now he hates to be aggregated, but I think there is a very strong possibility that Bill Simmons is no longer with the ringer a summer from now. We can make like a little small square next to our two big squares and he can join in. We can we can ask for the TikTok camera to be turned on. We can do a lot of things <laughs> that the ringer currently does. You know, all of those, all of these requirements he, that he has. We can guess the lines. We can allow him to cheat on them. We can allow him to get them perfectly. He can get wow. one and a half. He can, he can get two and a half. He can get three and a half. He can Is get them all. Is this the Super Bowl preview or the, or the Bill Simmons preview? <laughs> but, I'm just saying, I don't think Bill Simmons will be the Rue of the Ringer anymore a year from now. That's my biggest preview of this podcast. Wow. Now we can get on to what the Kansas City Chiefs will do against the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. So this is a rematch of Super Bowl 54. So the 2019 season when the Chiefs beat the Niners 31 to 20. The Chiefs are coming in as reigning Super Bowl champs. Their fourth appearance in the Super Bowl in five years. And the last time the Niners won a Super Bowl was in the 1994 season, which was Super Bowl 29. Yeah, I mean, I remember the last Super Bowl appearance extremely well. The sort of last for the Niners. 
Well, for these the two blackout. teams, I mean, yes. No, no, no. No, oh, last three blackout. The, I mean, I, I, no, sorry. Yes. The matchup between these two teams, the yes. pre-COVID Super Bowl, right? Yes. Like two, uh, we were we were weeks away from the world yep. grinding to a halt. <laughs> I also remember a uh, a friend of ours, Babs, from a bar that we both like to attend, shaking my hand midway through the fourth quarter with the 49ers <laughs> up by 10 points and congratulating me on the 49ers winning the Super Bowl only for it to me only for me to watch it all terribly unfold before my eyes now this fourth quarter collapse what collapse actually do you think is worse because that collapse is a Shanahan collapse as a head coach but is his more famous collapse as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons when they collapsed against the Patriots. Which one do you think is worse? I mean, the Patriots at 28 to three is way worse. Now, the thing I'll say is- Is it worse because they put up 28 points though? The thing I'll say is worse. Okay, losing a 28 to three lead is definitely worse because also that lead actually started to crumble like midway through the third. Like people like to start to talk about like halftime or whatever. Actually, it was like yeah. four minutes left in the third quarter before yeah. things started to go wrong. So there's not a huge difference in terms of the timing. But one thing I will say, there's a lot more bad luck involved in that 28 to three, a game I actually recently rewatched. And you actually kind of go through all of the things that had to go New England's way as part of that comeback. And it's insane. Everything from the like Matt Ryan fumble at a point in time where literally, I mean, they know they've done the calculations. If they'd just taken a knee, they would have won basically from, you know, that point onwards. You factor in the incredible Edelman catch, which on any other day is not a catch. You know, there's a lot of things that happened. I think still the 28 to three is worse just because you can't imagine blowing that lead. Whereas a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter, it's still only two scores. It's like not crazy. You can highlight a 10 point lead, but the other team had the ball at the time where you're saying they're up by 10. So are they kind of up by three? You know, like you can sort of do that calculation. Yeah. The 28 to three is worse. I thought you were saying you vividly remember the time before that game when they were last in the Super Bowl, which was the blackout game. Yes, 10 years ago, which you and I had that. Well, I don't vividly remember that because, to be honest, with the combination of obviously it being late in Europe and then there was this (laughs) 30-minute delay, by the time that game restarted, I don't remember much. (laughs) I remember you and I looking at each other. We both had bet a decent amount on Colin Kaepernick Kaepernick to be MVP. MVP. I'll never forget (laughs) that to the day I die. (laughs) We thought that was more value, which it was, the idea of taking the quarterback to be MVP. It's the smart move. I'm going to encourage every listener, take the quarterback to be MVP. You'll probably, things will work out. (laughs) We had Colin Kaepernick to be MVP. I think we convinced a fair number of people in the bar to also bet on Colin yep. Kaepernick to be an MVP. And they had the ball first and goal at what, the three? The four, I think it was. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> it didn't work out. Yep. 
But at that point, after the 30-minute delay, during which we'd had a fair number of shots, I don't think either you or I appreciated the significance of that moment until they had lost, until we were watching the Ravens take a safe, intentional safety to run out the clock. I don't think we really understood exactly what was going on. So, And that's what I made maybe my greatest sports proclamation of all time, that Colin Kaepernick would never be a starter again in the NFL. (laughs) <laughs> which wasn't quite right but it was quite right. but it was pretty goddamn close <laughs> it wasn't bad but you know what it teaches you ultimately this is the thing for everything in life right the negative prediction comes true more often than not if you in politics in science in life in general if you just want to say probably won't happen you'll probably be right so how would you like to start, Eddie? Do we want to start with the game or do we want to start with the extras? Uh, let's start with the game itself. Let's be okay. pure to the game. Okay. What's your score prediction? Oh, I got a full score. I will say, I mean, I'm very confident about the 49ers. Okay. So I'm going to say... 49ers, 34. Wow. Yeah, we're going to load on the points. Kansas City Chiefs, 18. Okay. Now, I'm going to give one rebuttal stat to yours, and then I'll give you my score, and then you can give me a rebuttal. You said the Niners are going to score 34 points. No one so far this year has scored over 28 points on the Chiefs this season. That is the most games in an NFL season in NFL history. So four teams have done it 19 games, letting under 28 points. Those teams are the Super Bowl winning 2000 Ravens, the Super Bowl winning 2002 Bucks, the Super Bowl winning 2005 Steelers, and the Super Bowl winning 2010 Packers. I mean, not a bad stat there. The exception proves the rule, right? Like at a certain point in time, we got to break the trend. So that's well, uh, if if they hold them under 28, but you're saying they won't. So then they won't have held every team under 28. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, realistically, if I'm being totally honest, that is my ambitious prediction for the score. I do think the 49ers will win this game relatively comfortably. I do think, as you know, I have said, I think the 49ers are the best team in this matchup. I would have felt potentially differently had the Ravens made the Super Bowl, having obviously beaten the Chiefs. I think the Niners can win this game by more than a score. Would it stun me if it were 24 to 17? No. You know, like that could be a comfortable victory that they could achieve without this being record breaking from the perspective that you've given. But no, I feel fairly, I think this Niners team basically wins the matchup in pretty much every department aside from quarterback, which is the tough thing because quarterbacks tend to be the determining factor. <laughs> the difference makers. Yeah. So having and said say, that, <laughs> go ahead. I say every every area people are going to jump onto the Travis Kelsey factor. I still think Kittle is a better tight end all round. 
the complication becomes where do you break down like a blocking tight end versus the ability to like a pass catching tight end. Do I think that Kittle will have more yards than Travis Kelsey in this game? Probably not. But do I think that is a way of assessing who is the kind of game changing port the tight end? Also, probably not. Yeah, I think I would almost like, I would probably give you the best all around tight end in that game is George Kittle. But I think the best difference maker slash playmaker would be Kelsey. You know, I, th- I think, yes, Kittle's a better blocker. And I mean, they do run the ball a ton. But I think, you know, you could be one big game, Kelsey, 13 catches for 140 yards and two TDs, riding it to the to the Super Bowl, where I don't see Kittle being able to, you know, like have seven, like cut out blocks and a and hundred yards, you know? So I, I do agree. I think he is a better overall tight end and he's obviously younger too. So um, Kelsey is kind of starting to get up there. Uh, so I will give you my score. I think it's going to be chiefs, 24 Niners, 20. That is my score prediction. What a bitch. <laughs> I mean, we had to, do you know what? Actually, I'll say this. I love it that we disagree. Because I think every time I've had a strong opinion on the Super Bowl in the 11 years that we've known each other, 12 years that we've known each other, I've probably been wrong every time we've agreed with each other. And And wrong every time we haven't. (laughs) And and that isn't me saying that you're wrong every time. That's just me saying, I feel like when we tend to agree, it tends to go wrong. So I I don't hate the fact that you and I have a different prediction that makes me even more confident in the Niners. <laughs> and if the Chiefs happen to win, that makes me even more confident in the fact that the Niners were the better team. Like I, <laughs> I'm gonna say right now, when we record this three days from now, after the Chiefs win by 45 points, the Niners are still the best team. <laughs> All right. So where do you think then? What is the what are the key matchups? that are making you think that the Chiefs are going to win this game? So I honestly, I think two factors. So I think the first factor for me is the Chiefs defense, which somehow is still slightly going under the radar. So I gave the statistic that no one scored over 28 and teams that, you know, four for four for winning Super Bowls. But if you include the postseason, they're second in the league in scoring defense, only behind Baltimore. They're fourth in total defense and first in sack rate. Uh, And they're in the postseason, I think, definitely clicking. They've allowed 13.7 points per game against teams that average 28 points in the regular season. And that would be Baltimore, Dolphins, and Bills. So holding high-scoring offenses to very low amounts. I think that defense is just firing on all cylinders right now. They're getting increased production from people like Karlaftis, who's getting better as season goes on. Then you have, you know, Sneed and Jones to lead that defense. And I think Spagnola calls a really, really good game. So I think that matchup between Spagnola and Shanahan might actually be the best matchup in this game. You know, obviously people are going to compare quarterbacks, compare running backs, blah, blah. But I think the offensive coordinating versus the defense coordinating is an amazing matchup in this game. The second factor, and this is the most generic factor that's been said probably a thousand times, 
I don't think I can bet against Patrick Mahomes in a big game like this. I mean, it's one of those I'd rather bet and be on the right side than bet against him and say, oh, could have saw that coming. So this, uh, the last six games that he's played, the last six postseason games, he has thrown no interceptions and been sacked five times. That's the longest streak by a quarterback in playoff history to not throw an interception is six consecutive games. So he may not be running up the yards like he is, but he still is playing at an elite level where he just is so comfortable in these big games that I don't see him making those mistakes. Whereas with Spagnuolo's defense, I could see them getting to Purdy every once in a while. And while I do think Purdy's a good QB, I'm not a Purdy hater. I can see him making a bad throw because he's made a few bad throws this postseason when he's been under pressure. So I think that combo is, is why I side with the chiefs. And I, I agree with you. I think the Niners are great. Like we've said it all year. They're, they're, they're one of the best, but I just think right now you have a chiefs defense that's clicking and you have Mahomes, who's just his cool, calm, collected postseason self. It's all fair. And I think ultimately, if you think the chiefs will win part of why you're saying that for anyone is the sort of winning DNA element to them, right? Which you can have in any sport is like, and you know what I've said, I don't think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I don't think they're the second best team. I don't think they're the third best team. I don't think they're the fourth best team. But they could end up winning just because they know how to win. And you cannot underrate that. Like if if you tell me, for example, that this game comes down to, you know, a tied game in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go, who do I trust more? It's obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs over the 49ers. So the 49ers have addressed some of those concerns maybe in their playoff comebacks so far, but still that's the case. But I want to counter that a little bit. If you said the 49ers, who are the biggest offensive playmakers for the 49ers this season? Who would you say, Frank? Well, I would go with the, the big three, uh, Ayuk, McCaffrey, uh, Kittle uh, and Samuel, I guess the big four. I would say. I won the. I won the. I won the big two. Who would you say were the big two? Who are you most scared of? If you're the Chiefs, who do you think are most likely to like really hurt you consistently? Not non-quarterback. Non-quarterback. I mean, I would, you can throw in quarterback. Who do I would you think say, are the? I would say McCaffrey and Samuel. Okay, that's interesting, right? Because McCaffrey and Samuel have a combined target rate of sixty-seven point six percent. Against cover two, and do you know which off which defense loves to run <laughs> cover two? Yeah, the Chiefs. Forty percent of the time, the Chiefs run cover two. Fourth highest rate in the NFL. So you're telling me that the defense you're so proud of, the defense the 49ers should be so scared of, loves to run the coverage that the 49ers love to see. The one that's going to allow. Christian McCaffrey to just run the ball as much as he wants and Debo Samuel to just find the holes and pick the gaps and get those 10 to five, you know, five to 10 yard receptions where he gets an extra five, 10, 15 yards after the catch. And we're just going to watch Brock Purdy just clock up the yardage. And no one's going to think he's spectacular but it's going to be super efficient. And that to me is one of the things I feel like genuinely, this is an excellent matchup 
for this 49ers offense against this particular Kansas City. I was going to say shitty. I didn't mean to. That was a slip <laughs> of the tongue. This genuinely a Kansas City Chiefs defense. Yeah, and I, so I agree with you, and I think the difference will be can they get to Purdy? Um, because I, I, I agree. I've seen those statistics. The difference is, I think, with Spagnola is he likes to blitz. He's actually blitzed a little less in the postseason than he did in the regular season. I think in the regular season they were, I think, either number one or number two in the NFL in blitz percentages. Um, they dialed it back a little bit in the postseason, but one of the crazy stats I saw was they blitzed Lamar Jackson, I think, 11 times, and not one blitz was the same. So it was coming from a different way every time. So that intricacy could be the difference. So here's a good stat I found about Brock Purdy, which I think really puts home what the Chiefs defense needs to do. So Purdy against the Blitz has 15 touchdowns and two interceptions. His numbers are highest yards per pass attempt in the NFL against the Blitz, and his 15 TDs is tied for Prescott with the most in the league. So if you Blitz Purdy, He's very quick at reacting, finding the weakness, and attacking it. But when he's pressured, he goes from uh, having one of the lowest amount of interceptions, I think he was like top three for uh, interception rate, to throwing seven interceptions in the regular season, which is fifth most in the NFL under pressure. So the difference I think that the Chiefs need to do is maybe not blitz as much as they have been in the season, but make those blitzes count. Because if they don't count, I agree with you, McCaffrey and Samuel are going to pick them apart. Yeah, and it's tough, right? Because you can look at the blitz heavy from the Chiefs. Now the reverse is right. People love to throw the statistics at, like how does Mahomes perform against when he's not blitzed? And the 49ers actually do not as much as people love to talk about their pass rushers, they actually don't blitz a lot. Like it's not a part of their strategy. Like they are believing that inherently the sort of quality of their pass rushers creates pressure, even when they're not blitzing. And statistically that would lead you to think that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a fantastic game. And this is where it's the tough thing of like where the rubber hits the road from a statistical element, because I'm going to believe that this 49ers pass rush is good enough, even without really intentionally blitzing to create pressure on the chiefs. But if they don't, then I think we could watch just a Patrick Mahomes masterclass in them, in him picking apart this 49ers defense, which we know their biggest weakness obviously is in their secondary. So like if they do not get pressure, then things could break down pretty quickly for them. The so, interesting storyline of this is right post four years ago when this Super Bowl, this identical matchup happened. Very different looking teams, but same matchup. One of the storylines that came out of it was the accusation from the 49ers that a lot of holds were not called on the Chiefs, including on the key play which allowed... Mahomes to escape the third and long that led to the sort of game-changing conversion. 
Now, it was interesting that Bosa, when asked about this uh, Chiefs offense, highlighted the fact, well, they get away with a lot of holes. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not this is an officiating crew that cracks down. Because you can walk through, you can go through all these packages of plays where you can just see the Chiefs offensive line holding play after play. It's going to be interesting to see how much, whether we get a an officiating crew that punishes them for that in the Super Bowl or an officiating crew that allows them to continue to do that. And I think that could determine the outcome of this game. Well, Eddie, our listeners, they're going to be thrilled that you said that because I can give you the answer to that. So referee Bill Vinovich is going to be doing the Super Bowl with his crew. This is the second time he's done the Super Bowl in the past five years. His previous Super Bowl was the Chiefs versus the Niners, where they threw a total of 11 flags, two were declined, five against the Niners, four against the Chiefs. The biggest stat to take home, I think, is exactly what you're saying. His regular season crews annually have thrown the fewest flags in the NFL for most of the past decade. So do not expect a lot of flags to be flown. (laughs) Considering that he was the one who ref the or his crew ref the last game. No, it's concerning. That's definitely not a statistic you love to hear. And it was a storyline. It's and the thing is, right, you never want to be the person making excuses for a team's poor performance based on officiating in any sport. Now, but in particularly in the NFL, there are moments when you can say, well, some officiating crews focus more on certain types of penalties than others. So it's kind of slightly more justifiable at times than it is in other sports. But ultimately, you don't want that to be the either the storyline of the Super Bowl or the defense that you use if either team loses. But for sure, I don't want to watch situations where it's Nick Bosa clearly getting around the edge only to be dragged back by his collar and then being like, what an amazing play by Patrick Mahomes as he escaped pressure, which is kind of what we saw four years ago. And I'm so, not ruling out the possibility that it happens again. So I'll also let our listeners have a little tidbit that they can you know, bring to their Super Bowl party. What you're talking about, I think, is a very valid comment, considering that Nick Bosa is going to face Juwan Taylor on the right side. He's the Chiefs' right tackle. Juwan Taylor's pro football focus grade is 52. Now, for those who haven't been to school in a while, 52 is not a good fucking number. (laughs) That is not a good grade you want to get in any course. He ranked 75th out of 89 qualifying tackles in the NFL. So we're even talking about tackles that, you know, played two games, three games as backups. Not very good. He's committed a league high 14 penalties. His block grade is a 55, and he's allowed nine pressures on 120 pass blocking attempts. So this is not, I don't think, what the Chiefs have in mind for stopping Nick Bosa. So I think this could be a big key to the Niners winning is Bosa has got to take advantage of this. Whether it's getting penalties called by just blatant holds or false starts because he's so scared of Bosa or Bosa just destroying Juwan Taylor the entire game. 
but I think this is this is a tipping point that could definitely favor the Niners in this game, especially if it comes to a point where the the Niners are up and you need Mahomes to start passing the ball more to drive down the field. This could be what puts the nail in the coffin of the of the Chiefs. Potentially, and I'll you know I'll lean into you pick the Chiefs and you highlighted a, a one potential threat to the them winning. I'll reverse it. I'll pick a, a key area where I, even though I think the 49ers could are will win an area where they could lose the game, which is obviously Travis Kelsey is going to be a main talking point of this Super Bowl in more ways than one. If you want to lean into, I think the slight, slightly annoying side of things where the like, well, we just want to talk about Taylor Swift. I think that's kind of overblown in terms of how much people go overboard with that. But a legitimate concern from a 49ers perspective is they don't do particularly well against tight ends. So if you look through the playoffs so far, Sam Laporta for the Lions had 13 targets, had 97 yards. So that's pretty good production from a a tight end perspective. Um, You then look at... uh, Trey McBride, 10 receptions, 102 yards. It's it's not an area where they've done a great job of, you know, if teams have consistent tight end production, they tend to be able to exploit weaknesses in this 49ers uh, defense, the kind of gap between where that natural pass rush and their secondary occurs. They've got a great linebackers, obviously, with, Fred Warner and stuff, but there tends to be this sort of middle ground where they don't do a great job from a coverage perspective. And then you consider that Travis Kelsey, not the greatest regular season of his career, but an extremely productive postseason so far. So 23 receptions for 262 yards and three touchdowns across his three games, including last game, 11 targets, 11 catches, for 116 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, you can see a scenario where the Chiefs are able to sort of work their way down the field through a combination of their run game and Pacheco and Travis Kelsey and where the the lack of game-changing sort of X factors from a wide receiver perspective kind of doesn't matter. They're able to offset that through the weaknesses that the 49ers have in their defense. Yeah, and that will be interesting too because while they haven't matched up well against tight ends, they rank number one in the NFL and passes in the middle. And it's due mostly to Greenlaw and Warner who might be the best linebacker combo the NFL has seen in a very long time. I mean, they are two phenomenal linebackers. Um, So that'll be interesting to see do they still have Kelsey up the middle a lot? Like where they really like to do those 10, 15 yard, you know, zone reads where he just finds the hole and sits in and gets it. Or are they going to try and move him a little bit outside and try and get some of those, you know, outs to the, to the first down line, things like that, which they also do with them. So that'll be interesting to see how they play. Um, But yeah, the run game is what interests me because the Niners in three playoff games uh, or two playoff games have been solid up the middle. So they allow four yards a run, but are allowing seven yards a carry around the outside. 
and Pacheco is over 250 yards in three playoff games. So, I mean, the Chiefs are almost a Pacheco first team right now. And that is, I think it will be another good matchup is how the Niners linebackers plan to stop Pacheco. Um, and and I think I think the other way is, is also extremely valid, too, where, you know, Shanahan, we talked about how he's gotten criticized for blowing leads. And part of the reason he blew both those leads is he kind of like abandoned the run in a time when football 101 would tell you to be run first when you're when you're winning in in late times of the game. And I don't think he's going to do that this time. I think he knows he's got Christian McCaffrey, who is an absolute superstar offensive player of the year now, as of yesterday. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs plan to stop McCaffrey with the Chiefs having a very good run defense this year. But McCaffrey is not an average running back. So um, I think both of those matchups will be very interesting because I I really believe both of these teams will really want to establish a, a really run heavy offense. Which is why I kind of picked a lower scoring game. I honestly think this will be a lower scoring game because both teams will waste a lot of time trying to establish the run and not panic and start throwing the ball every down. Yeah, no, I mean, you might be right, right? But we, we also saw from the 49ers in that game against the Lions where if they need to abandon the run and start to sort of take on a more aggressive play calling from an offensive standpoint, they have the ability to do so. I actually don't know if the Chiefs do. Like, it's the one of the ironic things. Like, the the, the narratives coming into this postseason, right, where that the 49ers are a play from the front, cannot change their game plan, want to rely on McCaffrey, want to run the ball. And actually, I think they now get a Super Bowl matchup where if the 49ers can take the lead, I don't know if the Chiefs are capable at this point of quickly catching up, which I think is more concerned. If you think the Chiefs can win this Super Bowl, I think we can rule out the possibility of the Chiefs coming back from a two-score deficit versus this Niners Like they did last right. Super Bowl. It, they played. It's, not, they played. it's four years apart, right? They have they had Tyreek Hill. They don't have Tyreek Hill now. They had a lot of, you know, a lot of things have changed in on both sides of the ball for both of these teams. If we're going to use four years ago as the indicator for what, what if we happen. use week seven of 2022 when the Chiefs beat the Niners 44 to 23? So, who was starting at quarterback for the 49ers that game? 2022. Yeah, who was starting at quarterback that game? That would have been Brock Purdy, wouldn't it? No, that was Jimmy Garoppolo. That was oh, pretty even worse. So if Purdy was, was starting, they wouldn't even had 23 points. That was also Christian McCaffrey's technically his first game with the 49ers. He was active. He was limited in that game. So we get a version of the 49ers that really doesn't exist anymore. So, I mean, again, that's fine. But realistically, I don't think you can watch this version of the Chiefs and think that's a come from behind team. Like this is a team that wants to be slightly ahead or in the game, milk the clock, rely on strong defense, rely on the fact that they know that if it comes down to the wire, Patrick Mahomes and that offense is scary, right? Like this is, they will be comfortable. If you told me, right, I think if you offered to the, the Chiefs right now, could we have six minutes left in the game, tied score? They'll just take it. They won't even want to know who has the ball. They'd probably sign up for that right now because they either trust their defense or trust their offense. 
in one way or the other. And I think this 49ers team would be more confident of, we can get ourselves a lead here. And this Chiefs team has shown us nothing in the postseason. Now they haven't been put in that position, but still consistently over the course of this season, shown us nothing to think that they can come from behind if they're 10 points down. Because the, you know, like it's one of the interesting things, right? We've ex- associated this Chiefs Mahomes team with being explosive, huge scores, 13 seconds left, getting into field goal position. It's not where they are anymore. Now they are, you said it yourself, they're Pacheco first, their run game. They are Patrick Mahomes picking holes in your defense when he's allowed to do so. And it is like nine minute drives to score field goals sometimes, which is great when the defense is shutting the other team down. But when you're down by 10 points, 14 points, 17 points, it's not so useful. Now, and ha- so, having said that, Eddie, give me your money line betting odds. Chiefs down by two, 145 left. They have the ball in their own 20. <laughs> Who's favored? How many timeouts? Two timeouts. Who do I think is favored at that point? I think the Chiefs are favored. I mean that's fine, but because now you're just telling no, me. No, I know, I know. Into, I'm just. I'm, I'm can just I get into field goal position? Field goal position. I trust Mahomes a lot, right? They also have an exceptional field goal kicker. So you're, okay, you are let's, saying let's up it down by four, one forty-five, two timeouts left on their own twenty. Well, then the Niners are favored. Heavy, but it's not. No, it's not by much. <laughs> It, it flips slightly the other way. Yeah, but it's I agree. it's more it's marginal, and it could be one first down away from the Chiefs being favored. Right, like that's would I feel comfortable? No, you know, like if I'd bet my life on the 49ers and you're telling me they're up by four and the Chiefs have the ball with under two minutes to go, but a couple timeouts, I don't think I feel super comfortable with myself, but I feel okay. Certainly up by two, I really don't feel good about myself. But, you know, and if you reverse it, I'm a Brock Purdy semi-believer. But if you tell me the Niners get the ball back down by two with a minute to go and a timeout, do I feel great that they can work themselves into field goal position? Not that great. Do I trust their field goal kicker? Not a ton. You know, and that could be a storyline. We could get to the end of this Super Bowl and it could come down to one very experienced kicker versus an inexperienced one. And that could matter. Like, do I do I want this? Do I even trust so, the Niners kicking a 30-yard field goal to kick this game? I don't know. Like, that's... Yeah, so just, just for our listeners, uh, Jake Moody, who missed just three kicks in the first team, first... 16 games of the season. So he was 21 through 24 on field goals, 58 for 58 on extra points. Regular season, great. In the playoffs so far, he's missed four kicks in the last three games. So he's three of six on field goals and nine out of 10 on extra points. But you could add some context, right? One of those missed field goals in the regular season was the potential game winner against the the Browns, which was a 40-something yard field goal, so a field goal you'd expect him to kick. So you could kind of start to say, look, you can look at this 
kicker where the pressure increases, his accuracy decreases pretty <laughs> significantly. Like it is a concern. Like so, where in when you think that Super Bowls in recent history tend to be relatively close scores, and actually kickers have played a greater part in them than they do in the regular season. Like they are a bigger factor for sure. How confident would you be in Moody? I don't know. I don't want Moody kicking a 20 yarder to win the game. You know, like I just don't like the name Moody. I don't want a guy named no. Moody being my kicker. That just no, scares it, it me. writes, it writes unfortunate story. Like the, the, you know, the headlines for the newspapers kind of write themselves at a certain, de- to a certain degree, but no, I think it's, and, and this is the problem. This is the, this is the difference between the chiefs have a lot more known quantities in this type of presser presser situation and with the 49ers you can believe in how good they are but there's key positions where it's like well do we know they'll stand up to the pressure do we know brock purdy will stand up to the pressure this is a big step up for a guy who was drafted last a couple of years ago to all of a sudden be the starting quarterback in the super bowl this is a big step up for a rookie kicker this is a big step up for a head coach who has a history of blowing it in key moments as either an offensive coordinator or as a head coach. Like there are so many step up to the plate moments for the 49ers that when you look from the Chiefs perspective, it's like, well, yeah, we know we know Andy Reid knows what he's doing. We know Patrick Mahomes has been there, done that. We know if they need to rely on Travis Kelsey, they can do so. You know that they, in, in Butker, they have a kicker who can come through in clutch moments. Like they've got a lot of key factors they can rely on, even if everything else goes wrong, that the 49ers kind of don't have. And that that's the kind of thing that can make you lead, lean towards the Chiefs. Yeah. So I want to transition a little bit into some bets. Some like I, I, I pulled up some prop bets to see, let me know if you think it's interesting or not. But Leading up is actually a prop bet I don't have the the stats for, um, the odds for. Um, but I think if you are a a fan of Niners winning the Super Bowl, I think there is definitely some value in a Chiefs first half Niners win. And the statistics I'll give you are, one, the Niners have led for only 22% this postseason. That's the second lowest percentage of time leading in a postseason since the 1994 Chargers. So um, very low amount of time that they've kind of had the lead uh, and, and held on the lead. Second stat, the Niners averaged 22 points per game in the second half and just seven points in the first half. So not scoring very efficiently in the first half. Third stat, Brock Purdy. 59 QBR in the first half, 91 QBR in the second half. The other stat I will give, which I don't have specifically, but in watching the Chiefs games this postseason, they are a team that can go out, have a set script, score early, and try and hold on to that lead. But against a good enough offense like the Niners, they might not be able to hold on to that. I think everything you're saying kind of makes sense, but I love the Niners to just take this game by the scruff of the neck and never look back. 
Like I love the idea of them being, and I don't mean that from love it from an enjoyment standpoint. I just, but you do, (laughs) I do. I love it from an enjoyment standpoint. I couldn't see them just dominate this from soup to nuts. You know, like I think this could be, well, I'm not having nuts in my soup, so we're all right. (laughs) You know, like we forget, right. That a lot of everyone loves to say, well, Super Bowls aren't blowouts anymore. And actually a lot of Super Bowls are more blowouts than we think they are but we forget the recent blowouts that we've had. I think this could be a blowout. I really think that this is one of those. I remember talking myself into the Denver Broncos and then watching that against the Seahawks and then watching (laughs) the safety on the first play and being like, I think I made a fucking mistake here. And then just watching a team dominate the other. And the whole storyline behind it was, potentially uh well they could have a you know just explosive offense it's Peyton Manning he knows what he's doing there were all these kind of conversations and then just the rubber hit the road to use a second uh rubber hits the road (laughs) term second expression in quick succession and yeah I just feel like it could be similar I'll throw out a problem so hold on I, I just to clarify the Chiefs first half Niners to win is six to one. I mean, just take Niners, Niners. But the prop bet I love, I think even if you think the Chiefs will win, I think this is printing money, to be perfectly honest with you, is Christian McCaffrey to have two touchdowns or more. Yeah. Which is 2.62. It's crazy how low that is. Did you see Chris McCaffrey three touchdowns or more? I think is only like eight to one, which is it's, insane. It's that would tie the record for most touchdown, a tie for most player, uh, most touchdowns by one player in a Super Bowl. It's less. It's At, so it's six point five. There you go. <laughs> it's crazy on three or more, but and, two point two and or more. Of honestly, them are bad bets. <laughs> yeah, three or more becomes a little risky, but legitimately with this Niners offense. You know, once they get inside 10 yards, once they're in the red zone, realistically, they're just running the ball. But in particular, within 10 yards, you know, this is the reverse of the like the tush push situation with the Eagles. It's like there are no touchdowns coming for Brock Purdy once they are, you know, 10, five yards or less. Like this is just first down, running up the middle, second down, running up the middle third down run up the middle probably fourth down we might run it up the middle too like there's no creativity really coming for an offense that tries to create space in a lot of original ways in the run game once it gets in the red zone it's just like we're just gonna ram it down your throats and so i think that is i honestly i'd be stunned if christian mccaffrey doesn't have two touchdowns or more and that could be the chiefs winning no, I the agree. Chiefs could even the Chiefs could even win comfortably. This could be 35-14. <laughs> and I think Christian McCaffrey has two touchdowns or more. Okay. So I've I've got a bunch here. I'm gonna run by you. These are kind of fun ones. And maybe that'll lead into one of my favorite bets, which is the national anthem. We'll save that for later. But first one, Eddie, these odds blow my mind a little here. Will any player propose to his girlfriend? on the field after the game. Yes is only two to one. <laughs> yeah. 
That's which, insane. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is, right? Everyone's focusing on the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. You could get fucked by like the, <laughs> you know, the third line, fourth string linebacker for the Chiefs proposing afterwards. You know, like it could be a, it could be, this could be a bet you think you've won until 24 hours four later. Four days later. <laughs> Not even 20, like four days. The truth emerges that actually a pro like, and this is also you get into a gray area. What counts is officially on the field, you know, like when, how much analysis can go into where did the proposal take place? Yeah, if you're betting on this, you're kind of insane, but you know, have fun with it. Here's one of my all time favorites, Eddie, and it's back. Will any player record the octopus? Fifteen to one famously predicted this in the Eagles game with Jalen Hurts getting the octopus in that Super Bowl. I don't see it this year. Do you want to clarify for listeners what the octopus is? So the octopus is a player scores a touchdown and then they also are responsible for scoring the two-point conversion. So what that would mean though is, for instance, if Patrick Mahomes ran the ball in for the touchdown, he'd have to also run it in. He can't just then just throw it. it it has to be, you know, the same player recording the score. Yeah, and it's tough because you look at this team. A, you obviously need the unique scenario where they need the two-point conversion. Yeah. And then you start to look at who's – like Brock Purdy you can rule out. Yeah, because it mean, was so good for Jalen Hurts because you knew if it on, ever came to the Eagles needing a two-point conversion, chances are Jalen Hurts scores ahead. a lot of their touchdowns. And then if they score and need it, they're just going to tush-push. And that was kind of the philosophy. Yeah, I mean, you. For, so Patrick Mahomes has no rushing touchdowns this season. Nope. So already you're – now here's the thing is, I can famously remember being in a bar four years ago talking about who will score the first four, touchdown and and it being thrown out that Patrick Mahomes might be the first touchdown scorer in this same matchup and being dismissive of that fact. And then he ended up scoring the first touchdown, which I think was 16-1, to 1, yep. which actually is not a great – and now Even it's usually lower because people always take it. Yeah, people love the quarterback because they yeah. think you get the the situation where the quarterback, yeah. even if he's rolling out, goes in for the touchdown. I mean, realistically, McCaffrey could do it. It's, Checo I could think, do it. Kelsey could I do think, it. I think it honestly, I think the only real scenarios are McCaffrey or Kelsey. Because I don't think the Chiefs are running the ball on a two-point two point. conversion. No. Yeah, I think the, I think the Niners too would. fancy for that, which yeah. is to their detriment usually. <laughs> I think the Niners 100 percent would, or also you have the the possibility of McCaffrey getting a receiving touchdown on a two point con- conversion. Also, I don't so, think so. Give me McCaffrey to score three TDs and to record an octopus. That's the bet I want. <laughs> it's like fifty to one. No, it'll probably be like ten to one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll give you another one. Will the power go out during the Super Bowl? You want to take a guess at what the yes odds are for that? It's not as high as it should be, but I'll say it's 30 to 1. 16 to 1 on Bobana. Oh, I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> so low. <It's> crazy. <laughs> All right. Um, here's, here's a good one, I think, that people might enjoy. Will there be a flea flicker attempted in the game? Yes is five to two or plus two fifty. No is minus three fifty. I don't love the yes though. 
I mean, neither team really runs flea flickers consistently. Now, I feel like that's a Lions play. If the Detroit Lions yeah. were in here, I bet the house on that. I think there's a lot of teams who you would feel more confident in. I don't think either of these teams. Obviously, the Niners did in like the NFC Championship game a year ago when they were ran out of quarterbacks. But like fundamentally, this isn't in their playbook. And then the Chiefs, as much as they sometimes embrace trick plays, I'll give you one. I'll just keep leading into the Christian McCaffrey prop bet. Okay. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey to score a first down, first quarter touchdown. How good does that sound? Even no matter how you feel about this game. Is it even even to, money? Seven to two. Okay. Four point five. That's not bad. Just him to score in the first quarter. Like admittedly, it could easily not do but do I think that's reflective of his I think that's a fun bet to have leading yeah. into this game. Like what's nice about you know, that is you don't even have to be McCaffrey first touchdown scorer. No. You could hope for a high scoring game. Like you can believe the Chiefs score TD, the Niners get the ball back and drive down the field and score a TD too. And you might even have the hope of, well, there's 30 seconds left in the quarter and the Niners have the ball on the 35 yard line, but maybe McCaffrey breaks off a big run. You know, like things could happen to save you. Like I actually feel like, like it's those to me are crazy odds. Considering that he's their go-to touchdown scorer, like that you could just have the Niners drive down the field if they receive the kickoff and then you start to see a drive put together, you would feel so happy about those odds. But you got to hope, obviously, either not for a big play or just not for time to kind of drip away from you. So how about, Eddie, if you are a Niners conspiracy theorist and you want to hedge the eventual Chiefs beating the Niners via penalties called. How about, will there be a penalty for roughing the passer? Plus 115 for yes, minus 150 for no. I think there will be a roughing the passer. I can't remember the last NFL game I've watched where there wasn't a roughing the passer, especially with Mahomes. I'll say this. I don't think in the playoffs there have been a ton. Well, I know the Mahomes there has been. <laughs> no, I, I think the Niners though, right? Purdy doesn't really get them. Because I think the ball's either gone or it's not with Purdy, right? Like he's, it's a very binary outcome for the most part with him. But I don't, I think I agree with you. I think that's a pretty good, I think there will be one. Because I also think you can factor in either team losing and just the petulant Fuck it, I'm hitting the quarterback. You know, like either Bosa or Jones or someone being like, I'm destroying this other quarterback because I'm tired of not getting there and we're losing by 10 with four minutes to go. Like I can see, I can, I think that could probably, that feel, those feel like fair odds. So here's a, a set of, of specials that I have seen this a few times now and I don't fully understand it's the whole like aliens aspect of this Super Bowl. So let me read you a few. Tony Romo or Jim Nance to mention the word alien or aliens is three to one. Tony Romo or Jim Nance to refer to Allegiant Stadium as a spaceship or spacecraft is 10 to one. Tony Romo or Jim Nance to refer to Area 51 is 12 to one. 
a fan to be shown on the broadcast wearing a green or gray alien mask, four to one. A UFO to be spotted over Las Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, which is reported on by CNN or Fox News. It's only 50 to one. The specifics okay, of the last. Um, you, how pissed would you be if a UFO was spotted and it wasn't reported on CNN or Fox News? Well, I think that, that probably happens every day, but... All but the final one actually kind of seemed to me sort of fair. Maybe the spaceship describing Allegiant Stadium as a spaceship. It's a little weird, but I guarantee you, Tony Tony Romo says to he does the Jim Patrick Mahomes. He's like an alien. He's going to give you one of those things. Alien, an alien reference. The Area Fifty One reference. Not that weird. I mean, here's the thing is, and this is the thing that annoys me, right? Other podcasts will tell you, you can bet tons on these props. You can't bet a lot on this type of prop. It's usually like 20 buck max. Yeah. Because people would be like, well, I could just get a bunch of my friends to show up and put on alien masks. and The fan to wear the alien mask at four to one, I think is a lock. If you really wanted it to be, you know, if you sent a friend... Like if you no, I, for... I genuinely think it's going to happen, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, perhaps. But you know what I mean? Like, if we were attending the Super Bowl, I mean, if you just have somewhat decent tickets, if you're behind either of the goalposts, which are not necessarily great tickets, but if you just had that situation and you could throw on an alien mask during a point after or a field goal attempt, you're winning that bet. Now, would the $80 you'll win offset the... $4,000 you spent on tickets? No. But they could buy you a couple of beers in the stadium. You know, those things are fair. This is the problem that bothers me. You know, we're obviously discussing some prop bets. I actually think most of the prop bets we've spoken about up until this point are things you could actually put relatively large sums of money on. You could win legitimate bets on. Yeah. But sometimes there are other podcasts. I'm not going to throw Bill Simmons under the bus, but I might do. <laughs> Where they talk about these prop bets as if they're like legitimate money makers. And there is not a bookmaker online gambling site I know that would allow you to put any kind of substantial money on any of this shit. Same even with the... Well, I've got some more fun ones for you. All right. Either team... Sorry. Either QB to have a receiving touchdown. 25 to 1. I don't like those odds. No. Offensive lineman to score a touchdown, 35 to 1. I actually slightly like that better than the QB, but I still don't like it. I like it better than the quarterback, but it's still not the odds. Okay. I'll bump you up a little bit there, Eddie. Will any player be arrested before the game? 100 to (laughs) 1. No, I don't like those either. Okay. How about this one? (laughs) This is is the long shot, Eddie. This is the Hail Mary. 1,000 to 1. (laughs) <laughs> this is real i'm not joking this is on bovada at a thousand to one game broadcast to be interrupted by live images of patrick mahomes senior driving a white ford bronco <laughs> <laughs> bovada you've outdone yourself <laughs> here's the thing is 
if anyone offers you a thousand to one odds, Eddie, you gotta you take, take that bet. If John Cougar Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I'm going to be a very rich man. Obviously, that's an OJ Simpson reference. I don't know what's the reference, though. Patrick Mahomes Sr. has been arrested like four times. No, I know, but what's oh. the association? What's the OJ Simpson connection to this Super Bowl or to them? You know what I mean? Like that didn't take place in Las Vegas, the the Bronco pers- car chase. That was in LA. Like it feels weirdly forced, if you see what I mean. Unless you're going to tell me we know that Patrick Mahomes Sr. only drives white Broncos. Like that's the only thing that could let me think that the thousand to one makes sense. But otherwise it feels weirdly unsuited. Yeah. Like an LA-based Super Bowl, that would make sense to me as a prop bet. Yeah. A Vegas-based, it seems stupid, but All right, I mean, this, who cares? I call this one the Eddie Hewitt bet. Who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first in his speech? Teammates are minus 140, God or Jesus, plus 135, oh, City 10 to 1. Take the fucking God. <laughs> because if it's Brock Purdy, you're winning for sure. Yeah. Mahomes, you, you probably aren't winning with Mahomes. No. He's, he's not super religious, right? Like he might mention it but it's not his go to or maybe he does and and they don't broadcast it and they cut McCaffrey it McCaffrey might mention though you, you you're really going niners if you think the niners are winning you're going god first because i think most of the niners outcomes well, McCaffrey and Purdy are probably god first now here's the thing it specifically says god first or jesus Okay, or Jesus. Okay, you get covered there because that would be the the risk, right? Now, Kittle is not mentioning God or Jesus first. <laughs> that's Joker or that's the wild card. Yeah, he's mentioning some <laughs> random reference to yeah, some anime um, reference. It's it's like a Halo, like yeah. like thank you to the chieftain from Halo for <laughs> allowing him to win the Super Bowl. But so. yeah, no, I think with, if you think the Niners are going to win, that's solid because I actually think Brock Purdy. Going back to it, from an MVP odds perspective, Brock Purdy is not getting the respect he deserves just as the quarterback of the potential winning team. I think that's you and because I have, of McCaffrey, though. It is, but you and I have discussed it in the past. Like, most of the time, it's the quarterback. Like, how many touchdowns does McCaffrey need? Like, what's the balance of McCaffrey to three. Purdy? He needs three to guarantee it. But let's say it's two McCaffrey touchdowns. Rushing to or passing? Rushing. Two McCaffrey touchdowns. And then Brock Purdy has one passing touchdown. McCaffrey. 250 yards, no interceptions. McCaffrey. You think? I think because I think they would lean into it because all season there's been that debate. And I think this would be the time for them to like do like appease the people who and Brock Purdy who considers McCaffrey better <laughs> maybe or you could reverse it i don't disagree with you but then you could also have the hey people have been overlooking Brock Purdy and if he has a pretty decent game because all that stat line i just gave you 
probably leans to McCaffrey. But if there's one spectacular Purdy play within that, if there's a third down, fourth down conversion, if there's him scrambling for a play, you know, if you think back on that Lions performance where you have two, like just think of that Lions game. That's two McCaffrey touchdowns, right? But I think Purdy's the MVP if that game is the Super Bowl, right? And that included some unspectacular Purdy play for a sizable chunk of the game. So you do always, I think the quarterback doesn't, in this instance, Purdy isn't getting the quarterback edge that he deserves. Not because of how good I think he is or isn't, but just because it's like, well, the quarterback probably wins this. Like you could offset it. If you do McCaffrey two touchdowns or more and Purdy to be MVP and you think the Niners will win, <laughs> you might win twice, but you'll at least win once. You know what I mean? Like yeah. unless something very strange happens. So this is my last game related one. And then I want to get into some even more specials. Scoragami, one of Eddie's favorites, 20 to one. Bad bet. So for listeners who are un- unaware, Scorigami is a com- like a score outcome from this game that has never been recorded in the NFL in the past. So like if <laughs> no team has ever won the game nine to three, which obviously has happened, but that would be Scorigami. Yep. So like if this were 17 to two and that's never happened before, that's basically what you're betting on it. Those aren't good odds. Yeah, so there there was one eight scoregamis I think in this season. So um, you never know. But yeah, I mean that factored in the fucking Dolphins scoring seventy points at one and also point, a lot know, of like, games played, right? Yeah. So let me transition into the halftime show. So for those who aren't aware, although probably most are, Usher is performing the halftime show. This is one I like. I have a few Usher ones, but this is this is one I think is quite interesting. What will Usher's first words in the halftime show be? That's got to be yo. Yo is minus 150. Vegas is plus 700. What's up is plus 350. Yeah is plus 600. Hello is plus 600. And Usher, Usher is plus 800. So just Usher. I love the yeah. I just I love, love the, the fact yeah, that six to I've, one. he's coming out just playing yeah, and he's just going straight into yeah. Like, how many Super Bowl shows start with, like, an introductory statement? You know, I, if I, I mean, like, hello, Vegas, or whatever. Yo sounds weird. Like, I don't know. They've obviously, the people who've written that, for Yo to be the favorite, Yeah, they've obviously seen a lot of Usher shows and know that he might come out and say, yo something but it feels so, like to me you get the like darkness and the sound kicks off and it's just him going straight into yeah, yeah. and you get yeah as the winner but so who knows that brings me to the what will usher's first song during the super bowl be yeah is the number three favorite so my way is one to one. Oh my god is one uh like plus 150 and yeah is plus 350. I think yeah is a great song to start the Super Bowl off. It is, but these people know, right? 
Like there is the, the element of these props. They kind of know. Like for it not to be favorite, then I think they have some kind of edge that's allowing them. Because yeah, is just, you would have thought it's A, probably his most famous song. And also seems like the best starting song for not only any yeah. concert, but also the Super you don't, Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you have a short period of time. You want to make instant impact. It feels like I hit them hard right from the front. But if they're not putting it favorite, then I think there's good reason for it. But who knows? So total songs performed by Usher over eight and a half is the cutoff, the over under. They don't have to be full songs. That's the caveat, right? Take, can... take the fucking under. Do you think <laughs> Usher is throwing out nine songs in his performance? Not they're not full songs though. You could just I understand. He clip. could play one he could sing one sentence from a song yeah. and it counts. I get it, but nine songs. So how about give me a special guest, Eddie? Who do you think appears on stage? <sighs> Justin Bieber. Ooh, Justin Bieber, minus 200. I mean, that's like he's famous, right, for being the... Lil John, gen- minus 300. All of them. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I mean, this is the problem nowadays with the Super Bowl, right? And this is the thing, I guess, if you like the under in the song category, is that he has a number of special guests and you get yeah. fucked by five special guests, each getting one of their own songs. I think Bieber is a solid. Yeah. Minus just, 200, though. The odds are terrible. I don't know, because I think like Bieber, right? Like, we're not paying enough attention to him. He just kind of performed was a, at the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, but he was a superstar, and he might feel like he's kind of not getting the attention he used to get right now, and that a Super Bowl appearance might just remind everyone how big of a pop star he is. He kind of doesn't get discussed in the same way as Drake or Taylor Swift or Beyonce. And this is just the reminder that Justin Bieber is here. I like the Justin Bieber. Even at minus 200, I'd probably take it. Bieber's definitely making... I'm going to go out on a limb. Justin Bieber's definitely making an appearance. So, I want to finish up with my favorite prop bet. And that is the National Anthem, which unfortunately... It looks like I can no longer bet, which means they probably did the practice and they've took it off the board, at least on Bovada. I'll check again tomorrow. But right now it's sitting at one minute, 31 seconds. So that's 91 seconds is the over under. That is the lowest national anthem line in the last 17 Super Bowls. So the last 25 national anthem singers have gone over 90 seconds. And it wasn't until Jewel in 1998 who came in at 87 seconds. I am going to take the under. So hasn't sung the national anthem in a long in very often, but in the 97 World Series, she sang it in 83 seconds. And then more recently, in the 2017 celebrity softball game she sang it in 77 seconds and i know people will say but it's it's the super bowl she's going to make the most of her moment but i think mcintyre is the type of person who her making it the moment is going to be the i don't need to 
pull this out to two minutes like everyone else. This is how I sing. This is who I am. And I'm going to do it like it should be done quick, easy, and good. And she's going to go under. Like her previous I know, I think ones. I think it's fair to add 14 seconds on to the celebrity softball game. <laughs> Did she sing that because she wanted to leave the celebrity softball game as fast as fucking possible? I think if the baseline is your celebrity softball, we can at least add 25% onto that. So I think using that, taking the over, I was a big under person until you threw in that the celebrity <laughs> softball performance was 77 seconds. Because that seems about 70 seconds too long. But so, the Super, uh, the, the World Series was 83. And that's still giving you an extra eight seconds. Yeah, but that just is holding... It's just holding on to a couple notes. You know, we know how it works in the Super Bowl. People love to hold on to notes. Prove a point. She might even have heard that people love the under because that's been the narrative the whole time. So, yeah, you're saying she wants to prove a point. It might be these people think I can't hold notes. Let me show you that. Show you my lung capacity. I'm going to really. No, I think gonna, Reba's gonna, saying America's too fluffy. I'm going to cut it dry. I'm swerving. I wasn't under. I'm taking the over. Wow. All right. Do you have anything else, Eddie, before we wrap up this super, super, super bowl preview? No, not specific. No, nothing from the super bowl <laughs> itself. I can have a lot of rants about some other things. Let's save that for the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we can go post super bowl for those. Perfect. You can save your opening rant for how the Chiefs aren't the best team to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, I got a few. I got a few great topics. This is a okay. little if you've made it this far in the preview, there's some great content to come next week. So stay around Perfect. because even once the NFL season is over, I've got a few topics that are going to come out. Some rants, some, some rants. random so, some reaction to the game, some reaction to True Detective, a lot, a lot on the horizon. Yeah, there's a lot next week. Next week will be busy, even if there's no football left to discuss. All right. Well, with that, I'll talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio. Cheerio.